Okay, join me with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your people, God. I pray that you open our eyes, open our hearts. Father, speak to us. Father, I pray that you calm me down. My nerves are going off this morning. God, I pray that you break me and build me back up into the vessel that you need to pour out your message. Father, I'm only the messenger. You are the message. Father, I pray that you pour out your love on us today, that you show us that you are love and we are created to love. Father, it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about love. It's been on my mind a lot lately. We just recently did a wedding last weekend. And then Friday we went to another wedding. So love is in the air, that's for sure. (laughs) And before that wedding last weekend, I did probably six weeks worth of marital counseling. So we were uh, talking about love a lot. And it got me to thinking that we are created to love. We are created by love and for love. That's the only reason we're here. And it's just that simple. If we don't love each other, if we don't love God, then we're wasting our time and we're wasting our life. So I want to look in Scripture. And we're going to jump around a lot. I don't usually jump. I usually pick one small passage and stick with it. But love is just too big to do that. And it was really hard to narrow down which ones I wanted to talk about because there's a lot about love in the Bible, a whole lot. But we're going to look at Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And this, one's, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. There's a lot of them, but I really like this story. And just a little background before this. They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trick him. And they came to him with these hard questions about, the first one was about uh, taxes. They asked him about who they should pay taxes to or, you know, some of the religious leaders thought it was against God's law to pay taxes. So they tried to trick him with that. And then they tried to trick him with death. Some of them didn't believe in an afterlife. They didn't believe that we would go to heaven. And so they tried to trick him on that one. But He's the one that actually ended up fooling them and making them look stupid. And then here we have the third, the third try at it. We're going to start in 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which one or which is the most important? So he asked him, which one's the most important? Here's his answer. The most important one answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So they asked for the most important command. And he had a lot to choose from. Because by that time, there were 613 commandments that they were following. So there was a few that he could have picked from. And I find it interesting, and this is why I like this. They ask him for one commandment, and he gives them two. And I think that's important. Because judging by this reaction from Jesus, the way God views love, 
And the way we should love, each, love God and love each other is the same. That it's one commandment. That we should love God first and then love everyone else. And it's the only way we can look at that. Because even he starts out, the most important one is these two. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, but it's absolutely the way he looks at life, the way he looks at us. And the thing about love is love is selfless. It's something that you do that you, it's hard to think of yourself first whenever you're loving someone else. You know, it causes us to do strange things. Think about love. You wouldn't truly wrong somebody that you love. You wouldn't purposely go out and hurt them without, you know, feeling horrible. It doesn't happen a lot. You know, those, you parents know that you wouldn't hurt your kids. You wouldn't harm your children. And hopefully, kids wouldn't harm their parents. You know, it does happen, but it's probably because of a lack of love, not because of love. But those who truly love, it's hard for you to wrong someone. And that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to tell them, that the most important commandment is to love God. Because if you love God, nothing else will get in the way. Nothing else is going to happen that's going to cause you to turn from Him. If you're loving Him, you're focused on Him. And it's the same way with people. If you're loving people, you're focused on loving them and you're not being selfish. And we're going to find out more about that when I skip on over here in a little bit. But verse 32. Well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength... And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So he finally shut him up. Unfortunately, this is about the time they decided to kill him. <laughs> this helped make up their mind that, well, we can't trick him, so we've got to get rid of him. You know, we can't discredit him because he is the Son of God, so we've got to get rid of him. But this one, and I find it interesting. A lot of people think that he was trying to confuse Jesus, trying to trick him up. But I think he approached it in a different way. In verse 28, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. So I like to think that he walked up on this, and he heard them talking, and he liked his answers, and he wanted to know more. He was asking from his heart. He wasn't asking, trying to trick Jesus. And it's just the way that appears to me. And if you read it in the other Gospels, they say that he was one of the ones trying to trick him. But Mark did it a little different and said that you know, he was asking out of a sincere question. It wasn't to try to trick Jesus or fool him. And so you can see by Jesus' reaction, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So he's telling him he's on the right path. You figured it out. So we're going to jump over to 1 John chapter 3. I taught a little bit on this with the youth a couple of weeks ago, so they can sleep right now. Y'all can take a nap. But it's important that you know that John was there when this happened, he was present. And the thing I like about John is he called himself the beloved. He said that Jesus loved him more than any of the other disciples. 
and he wasn't afraid to tell people. <laughs> he even referred to himself as the beloved in mixed company when people were around. The beloved said, John, it's you. You're right there. <laughs> but I think that's funny. So if anybody knows about love and Christ's love, it would be John. We're going to be at John, 1 John chapter 3, starting in 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brother, our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Stop there for a minute. So, he's talking about love, and whenever he talks about love, he says if you don't have love, you're a murderer. It's the same as being a murderer. And so, the way I like to look at it is the absence of love is evil. If you have no love, then you give plenty of opportunity for Satan to come into your life and fill your heart with evil, which is what Abel did and is why he killed his brother. Because Cain was doing what was right. He was filled with love. He was obeying God. Abel was disobedient. He didn't love God like he should have. And so Satan had a foothold and a way to get in. And John knows all about love, and he's talking about love is it's the most important thing you can do for God and for each other. And I want to make sure that you understand that. First John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. All right, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. You think it's any more clear, any plainer than it, he states? This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's pretty simple. One thing I want you to notice is, I thought was pretty cool. 1 John 3.16 is kind of like another famous verse in the Bible, written by the same guy. <laughs> Flip over to John 3.16 with me. The only reason I'm having you turn there is because we're going to read a little more than John 3.16. We all have it memorized, but we're going to go down a little further. All right, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, this is God's love for the world. How did God show his love for us? He gave up his son, sent him to die for our sins so we can be in a relationship with him. If you remember back in the garden, he created us to be in a relationship with him. And every day, Adam and Eve walked with him in the coolness of the night. They had a relationship with him. And we messed it up. We sinned. And it drove a wedge between us. And so God, out of his love for us, gave us a way to get back into good grace with him. 
a way for us to find a way back to that relationship, that walk that we can have with him by sending his son. And this is what I'm talking about. Love prompts you to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. It causes you to do things that get you out of your comfort zone or you wouldn't necessarily. Like, would you send your son to die for anybody else? I don't think you would. I hope you say no. Because we're human. But this prompted God to send his son to die for our sins. This is what love causes people to do. And love is so, it's just selfless. If you love somebody, you just, you, no matter what the cost is for me to love my wife, I will give. No matter what they ask of me, no matter what she asks of me, I will give for my wife so that she can feel my love. And this is how we can have a relationship with God. And this is how we can understand God is through the love in this world. He gives us things that show us how we can relate to him and how we can spend time with him and how we can be with him. And love is the most important one. Okay, let's read a little more. 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that this, for his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So love, it shines a light into our lives. And the love that we have for God, if people see that we are loved and we truly love people, we can't condemn people, we can't judge people for who they are. It's not our job. They're already judged just by not being loved, just not by not being in the presence of God by not having a relationship with him. That is their judgment. It's not up to us. It's up to us to show them love, to love them for who they are, and to love them in hope that they, we can bring them into the light and hope that we can one day have them come into the light with us. Because if you're, if you're showing them love and you're giving them perfect love and you're not condemning them and you're not judging them and you just love them for who they are, not for what they do, but for who they are, then one day your light is going to bleed into their life and it's going to expose that sin in their life. They're going to see in you the goodness that, of God. They're going to see the goodness of his love and one day it's going to bleed into their life and they're going to see that love that they can have. That's what we were created for, to love God. And in that love with God, in that relationship we have with him, for other people around us to see that love and to want some of that love. Because we all desire love. We all look for it. And we look for perfect love. And you're not going to find that in humans. You're not going to find that in your spouse. You're not going to find that in your kids. You're not going to find that in your friends. The only place you're going to find that is in the Lord. And the thing is, it's so easy for us to stay in the dark. It's so easy for us to just show enough light that it lights our way, lights our path. God wants us to shine a light so brilliant that people around you are uncomfortable. 
You have so much love to give that people are blinded by that love. That people see you as a beacon and flock to you and come to you. Because I know me, it's easy for me to just give enough love that people like me. And like me for who I am. But it's not about me. I don't need them to like me. I need them to like my Savior. I need them to love God. I don't need them to like me. I don't need their approval. That's not what this is about. This is about God. Life, we are here to love God and love our neighbors. To love everyone around us. Let's jump back to 1 John chapter 3. going to reread 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And you ask, how do we lay down our lives? Are we supposed to go out and die for people around us? Are we supposed to do as Christ and go cause a big stink and have somebody kill us? Here's what John says. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Material possessions. Does that mean we're supposed to go sell everything we have and give it to everybody else? No. What John is talking about is the thing that is attached to those material possessions. It's our need and our desire and our want to go out and acquire things for ourselves. It's especially here in America. You know, I think whenever you go to the bathroom and you flush your toilet, that's about five gallons of water, right? In a toilet tank, that's five gallons of water. In most places in Africa, people have to walk uphill, downhill, in brush, all kinds of heat for three miles to get five gallons of water for a day. That's all they get all day. And it takes them three hours there, three hours back, just for clean water. Every time you go to the bathroom, you just flush it. That's just one example of how spoiled us Americans are. Same thing with running water. I mean, it's right there in the tap. You get abundant, free-flowing water as long as you pay the water bill, which is really cheap around here. That was supposed to be a joke. crazy now. But, I mean, us Americans, we're spoiled, and we want to acquire more things. We want the biggest, and we want the best. You know, how often do you see the lines when they release a new iPhone? How long are those lines? People camp out for three days for an iPhone. I mean, it's just crazy, and I would be one of them if I could. <laughs> I'm just as bad. I love the new gadgets. But, as Americans, it's easy for us to be self, selfish. And love causes you to not think of yourself. It causes you to think of somebody else. It causes you to put somebody else in front of your wants and your needs and your desires. And this is what John is talking about. And it, it comes with time because time is not a renewable resource. It's ticking away and you can't get it back. So for us to give time to people around us is something that is foreign. It's something people don't understand. 
Why would you come help me do that? Why would you spend this time talking to me and not judging me? You know, that's been one thing that I've found is that if you just talk to somebody and you don't really judge them, you don't even say anything. You just listen to them. People respond to that, especially now, because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something to say. But if you just listen to their problems and you listen to what is bothering them, they eat it up. You know, at work, I work at WT and I work in a warehouse, and people come in all the time to do nothing but sit on the couch and talk to me. They're supposed to be working. I know you hear WT students, don't tell anybody, but people from the physical plant will come in and they will want to just talk because I don't talk at them, I talk with them, and they love it. Every one of them, they're like, oh, time for my therapy session. Come in and sit on the couch for five minutes. You know, it's kind of weird, but, you know, I love that time. And in that time, I try to bring up conversations about God and what he's doing in my life and how he's helping me. And they respond to that because I don't judge them, because I don't look down on them. You know, I just talk about God's love and what he's done in my life and how he can, how he can help them in their life. And they eat it up and they love it. I don't know what the deal is. They even had a little memo out saying that they can't spend so much time in central supply anymore. (laughs) Which is funny. There was a memo because of me. Okay, let's read on some more. All right, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is then how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Those who obey his commands live with him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. All right, so that's a mouthful. What John is telling us is, if you don't love your brother, you don't love your neighbor, you don't love people around you, your heart is condemning you. Your heart is starting to harden. Your heart, is, your heart is susceptible to Satan. Your heart is open for evil. And it's hard to approach God. And a lot of the times, we don't want to approach God. You don't want to go before God whenever your heart is full of evil. You just don't want to be there. If you look at every time somebody encountered God, they encountered Jesus and they knew who he was, and their eyes were open to his glory, the first thing they did was fall to the ground because they thought they were going to die, because they were in the presence of his perfection, his perfect love. They just, you know, woe is me, I'm dead. It's over, I'm unclean, I shouldn't even be in your presence. And it's the same thing with us. Even though we're forgiven, and we are children of God, and we can approach him, in our mind and in our own opinion, we can't approach him because he's perfect and I'm sinful and I'm full of sin, so I don't want to go before God. You know, it's the same way as when you're a kid and you know you've done something bad and you know that your parents know 
but you avoid them. You try to do everything you can. You're in your bedroom cleaning your room. You're out running the trash. You're trying to do every, all your chores real quick just so that they'll be, you know, you, when you, they finally bring it up and you're in trouble, you're like, yeah, but I cleaned my room and I did the dishes and look, the trash is carried. And, you know, you just feel guilty and you feel horrible when you approach him. And it's the same way with God. And that's what John's talking about is whenever you approach him, when your heart is condemning you, but if you love your neighbor and you love everyone around you and you're full of love, you're full of God and you're full of his grace and you're full of his mercy. You allow that to, to be in your heart and fill your heart with just nothing but love. You can go before him and you go before him with boldness and you ask him and you talk to him and you have a relationship with him. This is why love is so important because it gets in the way of a relationship with God. It gets in the way of you loving him, not in him loving you. That's important that you know that, that he loves you no matter what. He's already accepted you and forgiven you of all your sins. Everything you've done and everything you will do, it's gone. But you stop going to him. You stop approaching him. And it hurts that relationship. And it hurts him because he wants to have a relationship with you. He sent his son to die for that relationship, that love. That's how important love is. And we overlook it. And we, you know, like I said, it's easy to love people around you. It's easy to love just enough that I love me and I love my wife and I love some of my family. We won't get into that. That's another one. But and you're the same way. You love people and you pick and choose who you love and who you're going to give your time to, who you're going to waste effort on. Waste effort on. It's not a waste. It's kingdom building. It's something that's going to last forever. That's what love is. That's how important love is. It's the only way that people will come to Christ is through our love for them. He set it up that way. I don't know why he put it in our hands because we're not capable. We're pretty wasteful people and we waste lots of opportunities to share the message and share his love but God is wiser than you or I, so it's in his hands. But love is important. And what I want you to see is when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, it was love. It was love for God and love for your neighbor. It's love. And John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God's love for us is his son. God's love for us is a relationship with him. 1 John 3.16, Jesus' love for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. God showed his love by sending his son. Jesus showed his love by laying down his life. And then Jesus asked us to show our love by laying down our lives. And it's that simple. It's what this world was created for. It was created out of love for love. And if you don't have love, then there's lots of room for evil to set up in your heart. There's plenty of room for Satan to come in. 
And you don't want to go there. You don't want to be evil. You want to be love to the world. And that's all I have. (laughs) Go this week and shine your love to other people. Show them that you are love. Pour into somebody's life. Somebody you can't stand. Somebody you don't like. Find that person that you can't stand and pour out your love into them. And you're going to find out that a sin will be lifted off of you. You will not have the sin of hate. You will not have that sin of jealousy or whatever the reason you don't like that person. It will disappear because love covers all. Love shows the way to Christ and shows the way to God. Just give your love. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here, God. Thank you for sending the gift of your Son to die for our sins, to take our place on the cross, to take our place in hell. Father, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for a relationship with you. I pray that we find a genuine relationship with you, God, that we truly love you more than we love anyone else, more than we love anything else. Father, and then I pray that we love people around us more than we love ourselves. God, that we pour our love into people around us because you are the renewal of that love and you have an endless supply. Father, the more I love, the more love you give me. I pray for this church, God, that we can pour out into this community your love, that we can be a bright, shining light on a hill, that people will see the love of this church and see you, Father, not for our benefit, not for our glory, but for your glory, for your sake, for the kingdom, God, for eternity. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.